Northern Star, KCGM Mill Expansion. And they've got a little pie chart showing where the $1.5 billion is going to be allocated to. And there's no mention of underground development there. And it's called a speeding ticket, of course, because usually the share price is moving too fast. So often you see the companies say, oh no, we've got no idea why our stock would be up 30%. There's nothing. G'day, money miners. 22nd June, Thursday. Trev, how are you? Mate, I'm, I'm ecstatic. It's a gold day today. We're not yes. talking lithium for once. We're not talking lithium for once. Do you want to give the uh, money miners a quick run through? What stocks are we talking about? Mate, we have got some bloody enormous news out from Northern Star. Yeah. They are building, uh, the, the, yeah, they've, they're hitting the trigger on the giant KCGM expansion in Kalgoorlie, which uh, is just, uh, just you know, bloody enormous capex there. Um, and it will have a huge impact on that town. Definitely. Uh, We've uh, also got uh, Gold Road. Gold Road, oh, a bit of rainfall, downgrading guidance. Yep, not so good news for them. And staying on the theme of gold, DeGray gets a mention as well. DeGray indeed. And you really encroaching on Maddie's Lane, going in the small end of town. We are, but there's a case study involved, mate. Yep. We're talking about speeding tickets. I think the money miners will like it. Yeah, we'll bit a bit, build a bit of suspense and we'll leave that one unnamed for now. Mate, you know what I've been really enjoying the last couple of days? What's that? The Facebook group. The Hooteroo Hooteroo. It's going off. It actually is. Yeah. I mean, we got 150-odd members in the Facebook group already, and they're in the, the, the Hooteroo group chat. And um, it's been awesome. There's like a big collection of money miners in there, and they're talking about what's intriguing them in the market. So to the listeners out there who are interested as well and want to be part of the community that we're, we're building here, um, join. We've got the link in the, in the description. There's some, some great, great banter going on there. Absolutely. No requirements. Anyone can join. Just get amongst it. There's a Facebook group and we'll chuck you in the chat, Hootaroo, and we'll just take it from there, hey? That's it, mate. Turn, turn notifications on. All righty. So Northern Star, KCGM Mill Expansion. So they've been flagging this one for a while. They had a bit of a presentation about it over a year ago, almost exactly a year ago. So it's been on the cards for a while. And my first reaction is buy a house in Kalgoorlie. <laughs> what do you reckon? Well, you, there's none on the market. That's the issue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it's the old supply and demand, you know. So lucky for some of us who have some or have one rather. Northern Star, just a quick reminder, they're capped at about $15 billion now and they're trading roughly flat on the news. So if you are paying attention to them, it's no surprise that uh, this has sort of come about. We spoke about roughly two months ago, $600 million in US debt financing coming together. So that, it, that debt facility really just looked like it was preempting the ability to, to pull the trigger on this expansion, which they had a presentation out last year about their options. So they've been thinking about the while, the market's been expecting it. Absolutely. It gives them a whole lot more, it gave them a whole lot more liquidity. You know what though, JD, if we, if we had have been tracking the minutes from the city of Kalgoorlie Boulder Council, we would have known about this one with, with certainty a month ago. The, uh, there's, a, there's a quote in the minutes there um, where, where it says that the city supported a 152-person workers' camp to be built on the outskirts of town to be primarily used to, quote, service projects and operations, including Northern Star Super Pit expansion. So there you go, mate. Trav, I don't know how we missed that one. I know. I know. I read them every, every, every month. <laughs> so let's uh, crack into the detail a bit. And for those who didn't catch the announcement, we'll just run over the highlights. So they've upgraded, they've decided to upgrade the plant from 13 million tonnes per annum to a huge 27 million tonnes per annum. It's more than doubling the throughput. 
It's there. massive. And for the for the money miners watching on YouTube, we'll chuck up some great pictures of what the what the mine looks like. It's just massive. So three year construction period plus a two year ramp up means they'll reach steady state by FY twenty nine. And the the huge capex that we sort of alluded to in the intro, one point five billion, which we're going to dig into a bit more later on. I had one one um, former colleague send me a message saying. Uh, it's uh, it's a shame that Kalgoorlie is going to get swallowed up. It's all just going to become a big pit now. So, <laughs> look at the fact that this uh, super pit's just encroaching on the town, and so we're going to get gobbled up now. It's not true. I love it. I love it. So that capex is planning to be spent. They get they provide a breakout, but it's roughly one third in each of the next three financial years. And on the financial aspects, nineteen percent IRR and a four point six year payback period. So nothing too outstanding there. Northern Star says they are fully funded for this. They can pay it with cash on hand, obviously with the debt facilities we just mentioned, plus cash flows that they'll get from their other assets over the next coming years. It's interesting that they, I think like they had, they possibly could have pulled the trigger on expansion a bit earlier, like, you know, like, but, but they've waited until now. And I wonder if like, I think at a, a certain point in time, um, in the past, there may have been a market expectation that if they pulled the trigger on the expansion back then, that they might have needed to raise equity to support it as well. And now that's not the case, right? They've got plenty of cash, so you know, gold price is high, making money, um, debt facilities expanded, so you can you can do it without yeah having any dilutive impact. Agreed. Let's um let's talk about that debt. So, like we mentioned two months ago, they secured six hundred million US. Now the rate that that was at is 6.125%. So it's not the free money that we've seen for the last few years in, in the financial world, but it's it's pretty competitive, the, the rate they're paying on that. It's pretty good. So you contrast that with some of the miners we've spoken about over, over the past month or so. Now these are single asset or smaller cap miners we're going to mention, but uh, Metals Acquisition Corp, Pantora comes to mind, uh, Aurelia. And we were, we were discussing, you know, rates like so far, which is 5% plus the odd 8% or so interest. So, you know, 13% in that case, like that's pretty hefty. Huge difference in, in risk profile here. So, you know, so far being your base rate, it's about 5% right now. That, that's kind of, you know, your pseudo risk-free rate at the moment, um, denominated in US, USD, obviously. And you've got, you've got that base rate super elevated, Yep. Um, relative to historical, you know, precedents, but but Northern Star have got got the their, scale. Their, they've got they've got scale. They've got diversified assets. They've got history of cash flow generation. They pay dividends. Um, yeah. So if you if you compare it to a more sort of relevant peer, let's say Evolution, because they recently just beginning of the month restructured their their financing. Now the the latest financing was secured at seven point two six percent, and then they had a a bit more debt at a, a marginally higher. Rate. So it really just goes to show, like you mentioned, the benefits of scale, what you can do as a multi-asset producer, and when you've got much more predictable cash flows. So CapEx, this is, this is a good one. So 1.5 billion is obviously a big number. And like we touched on at the beginning, they, they've been alluding to this for a while. So like I said, roughly a year ago, they came out with their KCGM mill optimization PFS. They had a few different options in that presentation, didn't they? And they sort of explored what each of those three might be as a bit of a prelude. We, we did, like what did they look like and, and what is this in relation to them? JK? Exactly. So option one was called the bolt-on. Now that would be increasing the plant to 17 million tonnes per annum and just 
for reference again, it was initially at 13 million tonnes per annum. Then the second option they had was a 70% refurbishment and that would take it to 24 million tonnes per annum. And the third option, which they called the full rebuild, would take it to 22 million tonnes per annum. Now, we'll show the chart that they put in that presentation a year ago up on, on YouTube. They gave some sort of indication of what CapEx would be. So they gave a range from 440 million to 1.4 billion. And it sort of implied that the, the full rebuild would be the most expensive at 1.4 billion. Yeah. And then obviously the, uh, the much more marginal increase would be the cheapest at 440. And you can see on the chart that they showed that the refurbishment sort of floated in between roughly 1 billion. Yeah. Now, so would you consider this announcement today, it is a refurbishment. They're, re they're introducing a whole bunch of new elements to the circuit, but are you, are you calling this a refurbishment as opposed to a, a rebuild? I think that would be right. I mean, you just command F in the announcement today and there's no mention of the word rebuild. And the price tag, 1.5 billion. So that's a, that's a lot higher than- Higher the one. than the rebuild signaled. Yeah. Exactly. So CapEx and, is up a lot. And much higher than the refurb CapEx that we'd sort of been anticipating that the company had referenced a little while ago. So, so you think that, that higher CapEx then was signaled a year ago? And of course, everyone expects CapEx to go up versus a year. It's just been the, the theme in the market, right? But is that-, is that has that been a surprise to the downside and that's why you see share price off today? Like it's, it's down a couple of percent, isn't it? I think in simple terms, you know, higher capex than, than what we're expecting. And there was, there was an investor call that, that followed that today. So what we're going to touch on now is the underground mining costs. So this is the underground because they they got to feed 27 million tonnes per annum and that's going to have to come from a few different sources, right? And underground, you're saying, is a big part of that. Yeah, so we want to know what is included in that 1.5 billion and what's not included. So like you said in the chart, they say four to 8 million tonnes per annum of ore will be sourced for that 27 million tonnes from underground. Now they've got Mount Charlotte and Finmiston. So you look on page 18 of the presentation they put out today and they've got a little pie chart showing where the $1.5 billion is going to be allocated to and there's no mention of underground development there. So investors are somewhat in the dark as to what the capex is going to be to develop the underground at Finmiston. Right, right. So there's there's four to eight million tonnes per annum of that 27 million tonnes per annum being sourced from underground operations. That's Mount Charlotte and Firmiston. But to get there, you're going to need a bunch of development capex and we're still waiting for some guidance on what that capex is going to be because that's not in this announcement. Is that right? Yeah. The, the call this morning pretty much said that that capex spend is not a part of the 1.5 billion announced today. Oh, even more money to, 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 to come to Kalgoorlie, mate. How exciting. It, it's interesting, right? Because it, I think in the context of of what we're seeing out of Kalgoorlie and there's been real major miners talking about the challenges in, in staffing skilled labour in Kalgoorlie at the moment. Um, I can point to two examples there, JD. We've got Linus and, and Minrez. And I'm keen to pull up some quotes from both of them in recent announcements. So Minrez notably... They just completed an expansion on Mount Marion project, only 30-odd k's out of Kalgoorlie. They say, accommodation and flights have been challenging due to multiple projects in the region and the mine preparing for higher volumes once commissioning is complete, which impacted bed availability. So issues with accommodation and housing there. And then we've got Linus, who they've been uh, working on their cracking and leaching facility in Kalgoorlie on the outskirts of town there. Uh, they recently came out with an announcement on the 19th of June saying further challenges have, have 
presented to the completion of these two items, including lack of availability of suitably qualified people to fully staff 24-hour construction activities and late delivery of equipment required for finalization of commissioning. So both both of these really major miners, they've had trouble. In all honesty, I'd be more supportive of, of Northern Star um, actually being able to secure the right workforce in Kalgoorlie over both of Minres and Licence. They've just got a better brand in town and that means a lot. Absolutely. Agreed. Stuart Tonkin, he actually touches on this himself and he says uh, in, that, in that call, he said that they'll be able to staff the project saying 400 to 450 extra people are going to be required, but that's only less than 10% of their overall business. Uh, and one of his quotes is, do you pay more to get labour and secure it or do you take your time and not incur that cost? Because there's often a trade-off between cost and time that other companies are forced into because they're single asset, single project, high risk on that regard on the execution phase. So interesting one from Stewie Tonkin there. I, I note in their whole costing, they've actually costed labour at current market prices. I imagine if you add one point. $5 billion of CapEx to Kalgoorlie, current market prices won't stay current market prices for long. Um, those prices are going to go up. Yeah, it's a, it's a problem without an easy solution. There's one more thing I wanted to talk about, Trav. Will Northern Star be selling assets? Now, the the idea of this isn't just exclusive to them. We've seen um, Newcrest be gobbled up by Newmont and there might be assets falling out of that as well. We spoke about Silver Lake yesterday in, in the context of potentially uh, – doing some more or doing M&A as they didn't win out on that, that Gualia bid. So we spoke about the smaller end of town. We, we touched on Pantoro, Gascoigne, Medallion and a, and a couple others. But there might be assets falling out of the, the bigger end of town out of companies like Northern Star and Newcrest. So such something to, to look out for, potential M&A on the future. Yep, yep. And, and they, they might be – like the, I think this is just heightened focus from Northern Star on – Kalgoorlie and that's emerged out of the merger with Saracen and what does it mean for, for some of their other um, processing areas are they less core so yeah. you know Karasu Dam etc. Agreed so you had a bit of a flick through what some of the other analysts were saying around town about the the announcement today what did you sort of pick up on? Yeah, so RBC's Alex Barkley, he says, we calculate a rough NPV of $1.15 billion for the expansion, uh, which is about a dollar a share, but should have a portfolio cost benefit as it should shift Northern Star lower on the cost curve. Um, Argonaut's Johnny McDonald, he, he says, uh, progress towards Northern Star's long-term output projections have been slow since 2020. A strong June 2023 quarter with buoyant 24 guidance will help keep some investor trust that this expansion and its returns can be delivered as promised. Right, eh? Gold Road, eh? On to Gold Road. Oh, so moving to moving to another to the Yamana. Yeah. So another WA gold producer, Gruyere Production and Guidance Update. So Gruyere is obviously their fifty fifty JV with Goldfields. Now it's a bit of a disappointing announcement. They uh, downgraded guidance. So the midpoint of previous guidance was three hundred fifty five thousand ounces for the year. Now we will see three hundred thirty five thousand ounces as, as the midpoint of guidance. And the, the drop is really a result of re- uh, reliability and utilisation of production drills as well as blasting resources mm. and a few other things on the on the mining front. They also had a negative rain event. So this kind of stands out to me and you and Maddie touched on it talking about 29 medals, but it, it doesn't seem to get factored in too much that mines are in the real world, you know, and 
the the odds of weather events, particularly you know heightened in uh, certain parts of the world, are uh, a very real risk to hitting supply hard. So yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean sometimes flooding can knock out roads, which uh, impacts things in a, in a big way too. Uh, I read those words reliability and, and utilization, and I can't help but think people. Um, so I think it's just you know there's more stress in terms of production output as a result of uh, stretched workforce and, and, and limited skilled labour, which is just a, a, a huge theme right now. Yeah, the, and, the shortage of skilled labour is just something we're seeing all yeah. across the board, isn't it? Yeah, and I, the other thing on this announcement too, JD, is it's, um, it's like this is the time of the year that we start to see some uh, guidance updates popping up and uh, I think that there could be some more to come. Yeah, we're, we're right at the back end of confession season, you know, that... More commonly comes out April, May, but, you know, got to get it in before the, the new financial year. Yep. DeGray, exploration agreement with Novo Resources. Good segue to DeGray, mate, because uh, Gold Road is a, is a big shareholder there. They are too. And Novo Resources, how they tie in, this is obviously an exploration agreement, but for people that don't know them, they're, they're not even ASX listed yet. They're capped at roughly 65 million Canadian yep. and they are planning an ASX listing in, in the near future. So I think they've wanted to do an ASX listing for a long time. Um, but yeah, Novo is a bit of a maligned stock. It is. Uh, like at one point, I think they had you know, nearly a billion dollar market cap. It was like 800 odd, odd million bucks. It could have been higher. Uh, yeah, they've got a bit of history up in the in the north of WA, don't they? They do, they do. They, um, yeah. There's there's a there's a very fascinating story that goes along with a theory of how this gold appeared in these conglomerates up there in the Pilbara, and um, it's a story that not too many geologists take seriously, but but you know one or two really do, and that's been a, a big story of the Novo um, the, no, the Novo kind of story. Uh, they they actually they picked up the Nullagine gold project, I think from Millennium when they went broke and they, they started producing gold themselves, but it's been um it hasn't hasn't worked out too well for them and they've, you know, lost a bit of money there in the process. It's one of those ones because it's like a conglomerate system from my memory. You don't quite know what the real grade is until you start mining it. So you're kind of taking a bit of a punt until then. Um but yeah they've they've uh, come off a long way from their their heights. Yeah. But they've still got, you know, a, a huge amount of ground pegged. I think they've had to sell some of that off over the last couple of years, but they've got a big land holding up in the Pilbara. Yeah, and that, that ground has become, you know, more hotly contested. You know, people want it more now that the, the Hemi discovery has been made. In they the, want it for lithium too, mate. <laughs> Pegmatites everywhere. <laughs> so this deal, DeGray has the right to earn a 50% JV interest in Novo, in the Novo tenements by spending 25 million over the next four years. So they've got to spend a minimum of 7 million over the next 18 months to fulfill that. And they've also taken up 11.6% of Novo stock through a subscription agreement. Interesting one. We're, we're expecting DeGrade to come out with their DFS. They, they say mid-year, you're thinking next quarter. Yeah, September quarter, I think, is what most people are thinking now. So they came out with a PFS in 2022. And I think what all eyes are fixed on, like we'd spoken about with Northern Star, is CapEx. What's the spend going to be? So yeah. they previously flagged $1.05 billion, But it just you just have to think that's going to go up, don't you? Yeah, well, we saw the giant... The giant increase in Northern Stars on a like-for-like basis, yeah, you, yeah, it's like what one one billion up to one point five. So is is his degree is one billion up to one point five as well. Um, we'll wait and see, right? Like 
yeah, I, I, I think this whole announcement's a little bit curious. We saw them have that marginal increase in um, their mineral resource the other day. It was only like a, an extra million ounces. And, um, and I think like some of the, like I'm trying to think of the strategy of this deal and announcement and timing and all that sort of stuff. Um, you, see, you see the quote in the announcement, by expanding our production footprint in the region by 70%, we increase the potential to discover new gold resources capable of being processed at Hemi in the future. So I look at that and think, okay, that like DeGray's still trying to focus on the, the upside, the blue sky upside at a time when the market is actually, you know, waiting for the DFS and expecting granularity on costs. And that's an interesting strategy to me. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, the, the narrative of adding exploration tenements, increasing the footprint kind of, you know, bodes well and could potentially slightly nullify an increase in CapEx and of course, Every stock needs a good narrative. Yeah, it gives it? you it gives you a it gives you a good thing and uh, an upside story to talk about if 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 costs disappoint on on the downside. Which yeah, if you just look across the board, that's just been the theme. So you wouldn't be you wouldn't be surprised to see it. But all, you know, all will be revealed in the um in the DFS when it comes out. And we we just speculate until then. Definitely. So, a speeding ticket. Oh, what's the stock, Trav? Oh mate, we've got a. We, I got a case study for the money miners. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm keen. I'm keen to tell this one. You'd be. You'd be across the the speeding tickets, wouldn't you? You would have. You would have been loving watching them um, when you were when you were reading announcements pop up all the time. Yeah, yeah. There was quite a few in in 2021 in the in the heyday of 2021. Yeah. And you know, I think it ties in well with a, a bit of a mission that we have to make people more aware of what's going on in the in the resource investment space. So break this one down. I think so. I think that's right. I think um, we we had this one pointed out to to us by one of the money miners, JD. And uh, this, yeah, you're right. It's a good opportunity, I think, just to to break down what a speeding ticket is. And we're not talking real speeding tickets here. Agreed. Just just on the tip, keep them coming, Money Miners. We yeah. love it. Gives us lots to talk about, you know, it's interesting stuff. So keep it coming. Absolutely. So a speeding ticket, what they what they appear like um, is is actually when you see any announcement on ASX, it says response to ASX price and volume query. Uh, so a speeding ticket, it's when the ASX identifies the price and volume movement that looks irregular given uh, an absence of market sensitive announcements. And they the ASX, they address a letter to the company directly. So today I'm going to talk about AW1. Let's not confuse it with WA1. This is AW1 is the ticker. So a lot of companies have a bit of a stock standard response, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I think like most speeding tickets get sort of rebutted saying we don't have, we're not sitting on any unannounced uh, market sensitive information. But from time to time, you see companies have to enter a trading halt and then they do um, come out of that trading halt by, by announcing something that, that hasn't yet been announced and they will have to respond to ASX's queries as well at the exact same time. And it's called a speeding ticket, of course, because usually the share price is moving too fast. Yeah. Uh, so. so often you see the company say, oh no, we've got no idea why our stock would be up 30%. There's, yes. There's yeah. nothing. But companies, they have, they have these continuous disclosure obligations. So you've got to tell the truth in these things too. Absolutely. Uh, okay. So back to the case study today, JD. This is AW1, not WA1. Um, but American West Metals, they're called ASX. They, they issued a speeding ticket to AW1 specifically in relation to the intraday trading on the 21st of June, which is yesterday. They quote the low of 8.7 cents per share and a high of 12 cents per share intraday. And they pose the question, please explain. Now, for the money miners watching on YouTube, you can see on the price chart that we're showing here, 
um, the, the exact sort of day that they're talking about there. So when ASX write this letter to AW1, they they require a response by 4.15 p.m. the same day, otherwise trading halts required. And uh, it looks like AW1, they responded to the ASX this morning. In that response, they enter a trading halt. They announce the material information, including an 8% copper intersection. Um, and then they release the response to ASX's please explain, which companies are required to do. So to clarify, the stock jumps up almost 40%. Then the company comes out and said, we've had a cracking intercept. Yeah, it's the 40% movement that ASX um, you know, sees without an announcement. And they say, what's, like, what's going on here? Is there anything that could explain this that hasn't been announced to the market yet? Um, if so, you have to sort of announce it. And they, they'll ask a bunch of other questions too. Now, now, normally, JD, I don't go into speeding ticket announcements, but... I thought this one would be useful to pull apart the mechanics here. I think it's particularly interesting because some companies appear to be hoons out there, mate. They're speeding a little bit too often, I find. They, they just ignore the, uh, the the speed limits. of. So it looks like WA might fit that category. Yeah, so I think what you're, what you're sort of implying is that some companies might have a bit of a track record and they've done this more than once, hey? They might, they might do indeed. Uh, so in AW1's case, you, you just have a look through their announcements. Last month, they got another price query from ASX on the 18th of May. ASX questioned the intraday price change from 5.7 cents per share to 7 cents per share. Uh, they entered a trading halt and while they drafted the response, right, again, they announced some material information simultaneously with their response to ASX. This time, thick copper intervals. <laughs> so two in, in an, a handful of weeks, not, not a great sign. Yeah. What else? You'd, There's more. You'd, oh. <laughs> in April 2022, uh... ASX gave them another speeding ticket. So ASX, they asked questions about the move from 20.5 cents per share to 26.5 cents per share from the 21st of April to the 22nd of April. They enter a trading halt on the 22nd. On the 26th of April, they reveal some high-grade assays and simultaneously respond to the ASX queries. There's a pattern here, JD. There's the, uh, the speeding ticket submitted by ASX and they come out of it revealing the market sensitive information. <laughs> uh, so AWR1, they respond saying that they did not have any market sensitive information on the 22nd, which is what ASX asked about. But the next day on a Saturday when they weren't trading, they did receive first assays back. Uh, so ASX responds on the same day saying, hang on, we realized your company Twitter account posted photos of the drill core on Friday, please explain if you think this is in line with your continuous disclosure policy. Uh, words to that effect in their um, in their pricing query letter. So, AW1 they respond to this, and ASX hit them up again uh, to that response, really honing in on the timing of the assay results. They say the rationale of the Twitter post was to repeat the company's expectation that assays were due soon, as already announced in the above mentioned ASX releases, so as to maintain investor engagement. <laughs> Mate, that one's a bit too good to be true, I think. <laughs> oh, you got to love the, uh, the company Twitter account. Oh, we're big Twitter fans, so. Uh, um. I, think, I think we've got a, uh, a few takeaways for, for the money miners out there from this one. I do think so. I yeah. think, and to clarify, JD, like I'm not accusing anyone of leaking insider trading or breaches of continuous disclosure. This is just looking at the pure announcements um, uploaded by the company to the platform that are there for everyone to read. My takeaway is... 
always read the company's responses to the questions that ASX puts to them in these speeding ticket announcements. Uh, ask yourself if you're satisfied with that response as a shareholder. Me personally, mate, I like my companies to stick to the speed limit. I love it, mate. I think we could we could talk about that for quite a while, but I think it'd be good to leave that one there, hey? We should, we should. Mate, we've got a treat for the money miners tomorrow, don't we? Do we? We do. We, we do, do. We have a great interview. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. We're yep. gonna we're gonna tell all. I'm gonna reveal hey, the name. I think we should indeed. Uh, we, we had, JD and I we had the pleasure of of sitting down yesterday with uh, Alan Trench. And uh, Alan Trench, he's been writing the uh, strictly boardroom column in mining news for a long time. He does that with John Sykes. Yeah, um, he's been in and around the industry for, for a good while now. He's got a whole lot more experience and expertise than we do. So it was really awesome to sit down with him, have a chat. Like you said, he, read, he writes the Strictly Boardroom column and he even gave us a shout out uh, early this week, last late column, last yeah. week. Well, Monday, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it was good fun just to, just to talk through his latest Strictly Boardroom column. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what the response is to that. He's a fountain of knowledge. And it kind of, it comes across as, as wisdom. Um, and I think he's accrued that over many years of being hyper engaged in a lot of elements of the sector. So we sat down for a very different kind of conversation than we normally have. It's a bit of a long form, uh, open-ended conversation, this one. And we're pretty excited to release it tomorrow. Yeah, really keen to hear what people think. All right, hooteroo, mate. Unless we can call in Maddie. I reckon he's going to play. He is flying from Melbourne to Sydney, so I'm not sure we're going to catch him at the moment. Oh, well. All right, mate. Hooteroo. Hooteroo, money miners. The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation and needs.